This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, August 22nd. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Mountain Village discusses hotel development, Telluride Tourism Board promotes Mountain Village, G is for Government previews Telluride Town Council, and a mountain weather forecast. But first, KOTO's programming is informative, enlightening, and entertaining. We remain steadfastly non-commercial and independent, like the community we serve. If you appreciate having a radio station by and for your community, now is the time to show it. Go to koto.org to donate. And thank you. Telluride lost a member of its community over the weekend. Paul Tharp was found dead in his Telluride home on Sunday evening. He was 58 years old. A vital member of the community since the early 90s, Tharp loved Telluride and all it had to offer. But the San Miguel County Coroner's Office notes his health had recently been failing him. The cause and manner of death is under investigation. Crippen Funeral Home will attend to services. Tharp is survived by his siblings, Ted, Jean, Barry, Julie, Laura, and Amy, and his children, Jackson and Mackenzie. A new hotel development in Mountain Village is getting closer to approval. Last week, Mountain Village Town Council discussed an amendment to a planned use development and design for a hotel in the Village Pond Plaza. This is the second hotel development currently before Mountain Village. The lot sits on just under one acre of land next to the Sharana and Westermere buildings on Mountain Village Boulevard. Town Council last discussed the proposed development in June in an at-times contentious meeting. Since then, developers have shifted the design and density for the project. Currently, the proposed project plans for 50 hotel rooms, 20 condos, and 31 lodge units. The development also plans for 18 dorm-style employee housing units with two employee apartments. There will also be retail, fine dining, a bar, a market, and a conference center wedding space. According to developers, Six Senses, a luxury hotel brand, has provided a letter of intent to operate the hotel. They were the top or are the top uh, international large hotel chain in the world. Um, They have very unique properties um, and they really nestle into the community, kind of different than some of the larger chain hotels. That's Matthew Shear, lead developer on the project. Stephen Pallett, an attorney working with the developers, adds in addition to community benefits required by Mountain Village, Six Senses intends to give back to the community. One unique part of Six Senses as an operator, they require their properties to commit a percentage of their revenue to a local sustainability project that's annually funded, uh, and we estimate that once the project is fully stabilized, that would be between $200,000 and $350,000 annually reinvested into a sustainable uh, project within the town. Mountain Village approved the current PUD on the lot in 2010. Council uses the town's community development code to evaluate the project while also looking at the current PUD that already stands. Previously, developers requested a number of amendments to the PUD, including height. That has changed. 
palette again. Uh, we've brought things below uh, where they were previously and, and matching the 2010 uh, PUD. Uh, I want to emphasize this was accomplished by removing square footage and residential units from the project. Um, you know, as a group, we heard council's concern on height. We heard the community's concern on height, um, and you know, sat together as a team to make the decision uh, to bring the height down. And I, I just want to articulate how that was accomplished because that's space away from the project. Um, but we understood how important that was to the town and the community. But Winston Kelly still has concerns when it comes to the mass and scale. Kelly spoke during public comment. I'm not against a hotel being built on lot 109. I'm against a hotel being built 28 feet taller than everything else in the Mountain Village core. The community has spoken out and most seem to agree that this building height is too tall, even at 88 feet. Council member Harvey Mogensen worries about the number of parking spaces in the project. Developers are planning for 22 community spaces with additional valet parking. The current approval has 48 parking spaces. Here's an exchange between Mogensen and Shear. You know, at the first meeting, you came with zero. I think you received feedback that that was not a good choice. And this time, you come with 22 which is less than half of the 48 that's in the contract. Um, but just try to explain why we should accept 22 when 48 is in the contract. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, we were held to the water table of the building um, when, we bought the when we bought the property nine months ago. There are engineering challenges with building in a bathtub that you know, relate to hydrostatic pressures on the slab, um, and the exterior shoring walls. Um, so uh, we would be happy to extend the parking horizontally on a lateral plane without digging further in the water. Mountain Village Mayor Leila Benitez acknowledges there are still places where developers need to shift and change before the design is approved, but she's optimistic on where it's going. I just want to say the last time we were all here in this room together, was a rather challenging day, and I don't think that any of us would describe it as one of our top <laughs> 10 moments. And I'm just so impressed with how you guys took the feedback from the community and from council, and you really heard all of us. And you've created something that isn't a compromise, it's something even more beautiful. Mountain Village Town Council unanimously decided to continue the discussion on the hotel development to its meeting in November. Developers hope to break ground in the spring of 2023. Mountain Village is performing well this summer when it comes to visitors in town, especially when compared to the region as a whole. That's according to Kira Skinner, Executive Director of the Telluride Tourism Board. Um, we are only 6% down year over year and 1% up compared to 2019. And if you look at the destination, destination is down 14% compared to 2021 and down 18% year over three years. Skinner provided a tourism update to Mountain Village Town Council last week. She notes those visitors are coming from all over. Since the borders opened up, um, we're seeing more people expand their footprint and travel internationally, especially when the U.S. dropped testing requirements to re-enter the country. And the tourism board is looking to get those visitors to come to Mountain Village. Skinner says international travelers are part of the tourism board's sustainability goals. One international guest equals three domestic guests. 
So it's, you know, we, we generate more revenue with less impact. As such, she says the tourism board is looking to make connections with media to entice travelers to visit. The TTB hosted the international dinner at the Mountain Travel Symposium in April with key partners. We've had multiple media visits this spring and summer from our international journalists. And most recently, Tom Watkinson went to Australia with the Colorado Tourism Office on a mission where they met with a lot of media and a lot of tour operators. And the Australians do not book, they don't tend to book individually, they book through tour operators. So it's really important to um, be top of mind for those tour operators and keep Telluride, um, you know, as their, as their go-to. But it's not just the international media the Tourism Board is looking to work with. Skinner says they've had visitors from publications in Texas. We had Cindy Hirschfield from New York Times. She is working on a 36 hours in Telluride and Mountain Village piece, um, as well as Rachel Walker from the Washington Post. When media comes to town, Skinner notes Tom Watkinson, director of communications for the tourism board, works to engage. Tom does a really wonderful job of accompanying them most of the time. So, And you don't see that in all the destinations. A lot of the PR reps will just kind of let them go and give them an itinerary. And um, he really stays with them the whole time. And um, they notice that. And you can also manage the itinerary and the messaging while you're with these journalists. But council member Pete Dupre worries there's too much emphasis on Mountain Village's remoteness. Here's an exchange between Dupre, Skinner, and council member Harvey Mogensen. It's no harder to get to for many cities than it is to go to Utah. Absolutely. And we've been we've been battling that perception issue for a long time. And I think that's a great opportunity for PR for us and our media relationships with the journalists and media, um, because often um, they'll include that kind of information that we're hard to get to, but worth it. And that's not a message we want out there. Exactly. Mm -hmm. We are harder in the sense that it is an hour and a half if you fly into Montrose. Yeah, but so is is Salt Lake. You fly into Salt Lake, you get your car, by the time you're on the slopes, it's two hours. This summer, the Tourism Board launched a campaign encouraging visitors to see time stop and come to be elevated in Mountain Village. When it comes to the recent campaign, Mayor Leila Benitez says she's very pleased. I can say I've never seen such a Mountain Village-centric ad campaign that's coming down and marketing campaign coming down the road. And I really appreciate Kira and the team directing that. I really appreciate it and you can just feel the difference already, so thank you. The Tourism Board's winter campaign urges individuals to live life wide open. The winter campaign is due to kick off in October. Telluride Town Council is back for its regularly scheduled meeting on Tuesday. Budget, historic preservation, and climate are all on the agenda. In this installment of G is for Government, Council Member Geneva Shawnette shares what to expect. Hey Geneva, thanks for taking a couple minutes to chat with me today. Yeah, absolutely. 
So the town of Telluride is back on Tuesday for y'all's town council meeting, starting off with three work sessions, although the first two kind of feel like they're in relation to each other. Can you share what those first two ones are going to talk about? Yeah, so the title of the agenda item is the Progress Report on 2022 Goals and Objectives. Um, And then after that, we'll move into discussing 2023 Goals and Objectives. Um, This is sort of our roadmap and the first step of our budgeting process that town council takes on every year around this time of year, where we sort of check in on what goals we've achieved um, that we set last year for the current calendar year and get an update report, see where we're at with certain projects, what things we can take off the goals list, and what what new projects may have emerged in the meantime. Um, So we'll be going through a bunch of updates um, from from action that uh, all of our staff has been working on in all departments. And then we'll talk about what the goals for next year should be. Got it. Um, So yeah, those are the first two. And then the third one kind of shifts gears and y'all are going to be talking about some um, HARC related stuff. What's that one looking at? Yeah. So um, right now uh, our HARC process is, is inefficient. I think many people would agree with that statement. Um, and a lot of development has really increased, the amount of development permits has really increased in the past handful of years. And the way that the system was um, built before is not keeping up with demand. And we're having quite a backlog of applications waiting to be heard by heart. So that has uh, a couple of recommendations for us um, of things to sort of change the land use code of how we process HARC applications, um, possibly having some of the things that HARC hears now just be heard on a HARC chairperson or a staff level, um, as well as even considering limiting or lowering the number of members that sit on the HARC board. So that's the rest of the morning. Then the beginning of the afternoon, there are several um, public hearings that y'all have going on, a couple of action items. Um, but then in the administrative reports section, there's quite a few different discussions or debriefs that y'all are going to be having. Can you just run through what those um, pieces in the administrative reports section will be? Yeah, so they're scheduled to start at 2.55. Um, we could probably say 3 o'clock to be safe. Uh, and the manager's report um, always includes information about real estate transfer tax and sales tax. Um, but also we're going to be hearing from uh, Scott Robson about uh, the Canyonlands uh, request for proposals. Um, Canyonlands lot is the parking lot next to Clark's Market, and then it also includes the Tower House property, which is a duplex um, rental that the town operates. Both of those um, lots are fairly close together, and we've been discussing at the um, THA subcommittee issuing an RFP to try and work with a private developer to get those lots developed for affordable housing in a sort of mutually beneficial um, public-private partnership, or P3. So we've been talking about it at the THA subcommittee for a while, but we haven't talked about it with all of council yet, so this is going to be probably the first time that um, all seven of us are in on that conversation. And then... After that, we'll hear from the attorney and council reports. Um, One key thing that everyone should tune into is debrief of the Gondola Leadership Committee meeting. Um, The discussions and planning for the Gondola remodel are deep underway, and we're starting to get to a point where we need to make some real decisions that have to do with funding and um, 
that sort of thing. And then also for those interested in um, climate action, we're going to be hearing from the Colorado Communities for Climate Action, a presentation on uh, what that organization is doing for the climate in Colorado and uh, hear from other members on council about what they've been up to as well. It's a lot of stuff going on on Tuesday. And Geneva, I thank you for taking a couple minutes to chat with me about it. No problem. It's that time of year again. We're getting closer to winter, but the bears aren't quite in hibernation. In fact, according to Colorado Parks and Wildlife, they're becoming more active as they search for the last food of the season. CPW officials say as bears enter hyperphagia, a change in metabolism as the seasons change, bears need to eat the equivalent of 20 chicken sandwiches, 10 orders of fries, 10 sodas, and 10 milkshakes each day to prepare for winter. As a result, CPW says bears will search for food in dumpsters, garbage bins, and homes, often showing little fear of people. CPW officials urge everyone to lock their doors and secure trash and things like bird feeders to keep from getting into any unwanted bear encounters. Norwood's Pinion Park neighborhood is underway. The housing project is a collaboration between the town of Norwood, San Miguel County, and the Telluride Foundation. It will build 24 deed-restricted single-family homes for the local workforce. Roads, sidewalks, and home foundations are going in, and the homes themselves, which are being prefabricated in Buena Vista, will hit the factory line soon. The governments and organizations are partnering with Fading West, a home construction company on the western slope that builds homes using digital design, laser saws, engineer lumber, and production trade professionals. According to the Telluride Foundation, the homes will include efficient air source heat pump air conditioning, rooftop solar, and Energy Start certified appliances. The goal, according to the foundation, is to create homes that maintain value over generations while also not breaking the bank to purchase. Homes will be allocated through a lottery process. The Pinion Park Lottery is now open at smrha.org. The deadline to apply is noon on August 31st. The lottery will be conducted on September 16th. A Republican state senator from Adams County says he is switching to the Democratic Party because the GOP is embracing false claims that the last presidential election was stolen. KOTO Scott Franz reports the senator is also unhappy with Republicans' inaction on climate change. Kevin Priola says he wants to help Democrats maintain control of the legislature because, quote, our planet and our democracy depend on it. He's specifically blasting his Republican colleagues for denying human-caused climate change and playing down the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Priola has one of the most moderate voting records at the State House. He's been the only Republican to join Democrats on some of their biggest bills, including new fees to pay for road work. His switch will make it harder for Republicans to take control of the Senate in November. Democrats are celebrating, calling Priola a statesman who's putting people above politics. But some conservatives are already demanding a recall. I'm Scott Franz. 
Federal officials aren't giving states that rely on the Colorado River a firm deadline to commit to conservation. The federal government has asked states to conserve 2 to 4 million acre-feet across the watershed. The seven western states along the river missed a previous deadline. Tanya Trujillo is an assistant secretary to the Interior Department. We're trying to explain the modeling information that we have paints a very, very urgent situation. And we feel the urgency. They should feel the urgency. Last week, federal officials announced water cutbacks in Arizona, Nevada, and Mexico. Those cuts were previously agreed to by the states. The federal government has received criticism for not doing enough to stabilize the river's water supply. Tribal nations across the country will be receiving additional funding for the Tribal Broadband Connectivity Program put forth by the Department of Commerce. For KSUT Tribal Radio and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Sarah Flower reports. The National Telecommunications and Information Administration is adding an additional $1 billion to the Tribal Broadband Connectivity Program, bringing the total funding available to almost $2 billion. More than 300 applicants were received during the first application window, showing a significant need for high-speed internet funding throughout Indian country. Five tribes in New Mexico are currently receiving $146 million in awards. One of those tribes is the Pueblo of Isleta tribe just outside of Albuquerque. Governor of the tribe, Vernon Abita, says they're receiving $26 million to help in part with connecting the tribe to better health care and educational needs. We're grateful about receiving this funding so we can provide this internet access to our tribal members so they can get the education they need so we can go ahead and develop telehealth uh, services for our community members. And this is um, one of the things that we're very appreciative of and that we um, are seeing this important shift within tribal nations and pueblos to have this broadband access within our communities. According to the Biden administration, roughly 470 tribes in 28 states have suggested that they would like to participate in the Digital Equity Planning Grant Program. The purpose of that program is to promote the achievement of digital equity and support digital inclusion on tribal entities. Mitch Landrew is the senior advisor to the president and White House Infrastructure Implementation Coordinator. He says that this funding is going to continue to grow all across Indian country. Additional awards are going to reach tribes in many states. These funds are going to help tribes build broadband infrastructure that deliver high-speed, reliable internet. The awards today are part of a much larger, bolder, concerted effort across the federal government to connect every American, no matter where they are, but including on tribal land. This bipartisan infrastructure law invests an additional $2 billion into the Tribal Broadband Connectivity Program, tripling its funding. Throughout the month of August, Landrew says tribal applicants like tribal governments, schools, and utility companies will receive more than $500 million in grants. The Department of Commerce says they'll be working with tribes in the coming months to submit applications and award funds. Tribes that already submitted applications to the program will not need to reapply. Reporting for KSUT Tribal Radio, I'm Sarah Flower. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for scattered showers and thunderstorms tonight, with partly cloudy skies and a low around 50 degrees. 
Tuesday calls for mostly sunny skies during the day and mostly clear skies at night with a chance of showers and thunderstorms. The high is near 70 degrees with a low around 50. Wednesday, expect mostly sunny skies with a chance of showers and thunderstorms and a high around 70 degrees. Wednesday night, there's a chance of showers and thunderstorms with partly cloudy skies and a low around 50. This has been the news for Monday, August 22nd. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. We would like to thank everyone who has donated to KOTO during our summer fund drive. A huge thank you to Donald Miles, Angela Mallard, Sky Rubido, Renee Palmioli, Asa and Robin Van Gelder, Megan McGeorge, Delaney Young, Catherine Frank, Gary Ross, Kaylee Jasperson, Tara Carter, Jimmy Moody, David and Karen Lamb, Brad Miller, Gretchen Dreadwell, Abby Shea, Barbel Hacke, Tanya Ishikawa, Janice Zink and Norman Squire, Tiffany Osborne, Shannon Gowdy, Aaron Reese and Chris Myers, Margaret Taylor, Jason Corzine, Lou Nunne, Tuck Gillette, Wally and Nancy Hall, Matt and Allison Templin, Vicki Hormuth, Larry and Denise Scanlon, Bree Butler and Mary Ann Osborne. Thank you all so much. And now, a personal commentary. Hi, everybody. This is David Nevsky, Town of Telluride's Public Information Officer. And I'm here tonight with the Town of Telluride's Water Division Manager, Katie Duty. And she would like to kindly remind the community that... We are still still in in a a drought. drought. Even though we've been experiencing our seasonal monsoons and accompanying mudslides, we are, in fact, still in a drought. Southwest Colorado has the lowest stream flows and reservoir storage in the state. Katie, why are the stream flows so low if we've had precipitation over the last 30 days that has been 131% of normal? Well, David, it's because the higher temperature is increasing the evaporation, and so the drought still continues. What are some helpful tips to ensure that we are conserving water in this time of drought? It's the simple things like turn the faucet off when you brush your teeth, take a shorter shower, and fix those leaks around the house. And I'm sure these tips will also help you save money on your water bill. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks, David. (laughs) Thanks, Katie. Also, please follow the Water and Wastewater team on Instagram at TellurideWWTP for the inside look. Thanks for tuning in. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Koto. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.